Welcome to Iro Live with host Bob Bay. God, thank you for tonight. God, help me to stay focused and, and just speak the things that you want me to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's something that happens. We have an event happen in our life that drives it to us. It could be years of the same event. If it's like addiction, it could be you know years and years and years, and, and you hit bottom. It could be a relationship, and, and you go through things. It could be that you've just had enough in the relationship. It could be that uh, you're saying to yourself, I can't live like this anymore, and you don't know what to do, and it, whatever it may be. But usually there's, there's one particular thing that drives us into it. But generally, that particular thing is not what our problem is. I'll narrow it down to three basic areas. Well, let me say this. like Especially if it's substance abuse or relationships, we usually use substances or relationships in order to cope with or to... Uh, to deal with our feelings that we don't really know how to deal with. So it's not that those are necessarily our problems. We're using those. We use those things to, to survive our real problems, to overcome our real problems. So you guys have heard me talk about the three types of relationships. That's the first category of things that we kind of boil it down to. There's a problem with one of the one or all of them. You have a problem with your relationship with God. You have a problem with relationship with the people around you. However that is, that could be your boss. It could be your spouse. It could be a family member. It could be whatever. Or you have a problem with your relationship with yourself. And that deals with how you talk to yourself, how you feel about yourself. That's the first set of things that, that is usually an issue that we're using to cope with. The second one is... We're stuck in either the past or the future. What do I mean by that? We get stuck living in the past and we can't come out of the past a lot of times because things that happened to us in the past. And a lot of times that is anchored in what I'll say is unforgiveness. And a lot of people, as far as the topic of forgiveness, there are so many aspects to it. And I don't want to get into that tonight, but so often... We are anchored in the past, in past hurts. We dwell in there, and that affects everything. It affects our relationships. It affects our choices, the people we end up with. It affects how we view ourselves. It, so we're, we're, we get stuck there. Or we're stuck in the future, and that is usually fear-based. That could be either the fear of what may happen, or the fear of what may not happen. And so for me, it wouldn't necessarily be the fear of what may happen. For like for myself, using myself as an example, I'll say that I get stuck in the future sometimes because, okay, if I know I have something coming up and I've got to come up with a lot of money, it's like, are my jobs, are the jobs that I'm getting ready to do, are they going to support what that need is going to be? You know what I'm saying? Financial worries of the future. That's not really worrying about what may happen, unless like if you're worried, like what if my car breaks down, you know, and I can't afford to get another car? What if, what if Pam finally gets tired of putting up with me and she leaves? So, 
you know. You see what I'm saying? So we get stuck in the future or in the past. And the third one is we don't really know who we are. Now, I've had a lot of people say to me, I know who I am. And they have a a concept of who their identity is. But, and if you would have asked me this question in the beginning, who are you? I would have listed out. I was in the military then. I would have listed out. Because I was proud of the accomplishments I had made when I was in there. I became a sergeant. I won a lot of awards and medals. And I did a lot of things. And then later on, I, you know, I had a lot of opportunities. But that wasn't who I was. That was what I did. My identity is not like, okay, so now I'm a dad and a grandpa. I'm a husband. That's not who I am. A lot of people would say that is, you know, that is who you are. It makes up who you are. But that's not. That's not who I am. Who I am is really deals with that thing of going back to that relationship with myself. Who I am. Who am I? I am a person who is a selective extrovert, right? I am a person who sometimes really struggles with paying attention. I am a person who lives life very passionately and on out loud, I guess you would say. I am a person who really enjoys doing things with my hands, building things. I am a person who really enjoys music. I am a person who really enjoys playing guitar. That is who I am. Those are also some things that I do, but it's not the doing that makes me who they are. It's the way I feel about those things. Does that make sense? And so the biggest challenge that we have is, who are we really? Who are you really? Those three areas of your life, because really when you go back and you line up the three relationship things, Who am I? Well, I'm a child of God. And I can find my identity in that. So they're all so intertwined and connected together. But I have to know who I am here to know where I want to be. I have to be willing to to look at who who am I really. Because really, if you ask me, who I was back then, I would list off this, these accomplishments. I would list off all this stuff. I might even be willing to admit that I was a drug addict or an alcoholic. Understand who I was, what I enjoyed, what, I really, what really brought me fulfillment in life, what made me feel whole in life, and all those things, I really couldn't tell you. I didn't know how to experience my emotions. All my emotions were either anger or hurt. I mean, those anger and hurt were really my only real emotions that I really expressed. So here is the real key problem in all of this, is you can't take care of any of those things yourself. You can't really identify who you are because our perceptions of who we are is not usually based in reality because of the denial that we face in our life. And a big part of that is is because we've also developed coping skills 
to help us get through and beyond and past things in our lives so that we don't have to feel the hurt that we've experienced in our lives. So we grow up as children learning because we're not, we, don't, we don't really know who we are on the inside because that is usually stolen from us at a young age. We don't understand how to feel our emotions and express our emotions in a healthy way. It's usually dysfunction that is modeled to us by the people that we're in relationships with growing up. I'm not speaking ill of anybody, you know. Maybe you had wonderful parents. Maybe you had a wonderful environment around you growing up and everything, and they really modeled wonderful things for you. But that is not generally the rule. Because we feel feelings, we we begin to experience things in our lives that we don't know how to deal with, we as children begin to develop skills to handle those things the best we know how. Sometimes we learn that from our parents. Sometimes it's a reward or versus punishment. We learn to act certain ways because if we don't, we'll be punished or, or we'll experience negative consequences for that in whatever it may be. Maybe a parent will withhold affection from us if we act a certain way. And so we learn not to act that way because we don't want to be, have that affection withheld from us. Or maybe we learn that if we act a certain way, then we'll receive attention. You know, they say that bad attention is better than no attention sometimes. When you're a kid, that's, you know, the way it is. Another thing that causes us problems is the fear of failure. You guys ever heard the expression, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't? Never heard that before. I had a conversation with a person the other day, and they say it's crazy. Why would people keep doing the things in addiction? Why would people keep doing these same things when it's destroying their lives? And that is a good question. Why would you keep doing that? Well, it's because you don't know. That's the only way you know, the only hope you have of doing it, of surviving Because you don't believe there's any other way to to go about it. You don't believe that there can be a different way that it'll work. Part of the thing of the hope of all of this is, is getting to the point of understanding that there is a different way. That there is another way. If somebody would have been there in the beginning and told me these things, oh my goodness, I could have avoided years of having to try and figure this out myself. You know what I'm saying? If somebody could have just talked to me about relationships and relationships with God and different things, I could have avoided a lot of hardships in life. And obviously, I'm not perfect. I haven't attained. If the Apostle Paul can go through everything he went through and he says in the end that he hadn't attained, I'd be pretty crazy and prideful to think that I could attain. Because like Paul actually, actually saw the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus in a bright light. We don't want to try and be discovering who we are 10 years from now. We want to discover who we are right now. Now we can grow and become, we're always becoming, we want to discover who we are now. We want to discover how to have healthy, happy relationships now. What we want to be doing in 10 years is helping other people, not still trying to figure out why our relationships are messed up. What we want in in 10 years is to be living in the present. That was the other thing. Living in the, 
I, I say living in the now, man. Because what ends up happening is, is when we have a relationship with God or anybody else, if you're living in the future or the past, you are actually not having a relationship in reality. You can only have a relationship in the present. If when you're dealing with people, all the junk from the past is what's coming up, that's not a relationship. You're living in the past, and that is your imagination. You're having a relationship with, with something that's not reality. Or if it's you're worried about things in the future, about how a person may treat you or what's going to happen. Maybe this won't be the way it's supposed to be. What if this person leaves me? What if this or whatever like that? You can't have a real relationship with somebody if you're fearing for the future. Now, Pam and I lived in fear and we're stuck in the past together for a long time. And we grew together very dysfunctionally. But we grew together in, in going through that. But the problem is, is we can't... You can't experience intimacy. And when I say intimacy, I don't, I'm not talking about physical intimacy. I'm talking about that connection. You can't experience intimacy with somebody in the past or in the future. And so this is especially important with God. When we're talking about having a relationship with God and you're talking with God, God is in the right now. Now, God knows he lives in the past there is no past and there is no future with God. He is everywhere at all times, which is, I can't explain that. That blows my mind. But again, we can't hear God's voice if we're stuck in the past or in the future. He is, to us, he is right here and right now. And so he wants to direct our every path. He wants to have a relationship with us right now. You guys know that Sia song, Chandelier? I know I shouldn't. Shouldn't be talking about such things in church. That song in that, I want to swing from the chandeliers. I want to live my life swinging from the chandeliers. But not because I'm drunk. But because I'm living the full potential of what God has for me. When we go to change these things in our life and we go to make these choices for things to be different. Especially when it comes to relationships. One of the hardest things in the world for me, one of the things I struggle with the hardest is when I know I have to do something and God's called me to make choices that I, I believe Pam is going to disagree with. It scares the crap out of me because of what's going to happen. Is this going to turn into a fight? Is this going to be an issue? That's codependency. I mean, I have to be considerate of Pam's feelings in that. Part of being in a relationship is being considerate. But that whole thing of the process, my thought process, what happens up to that is codependency. And so we face these situations where we have to make decisions. We have to, especially when it comes to setting boundaries in those situations. I'm not speaking against Pam, but, but I'll say this, that when Pam and I, Pam and I are in a relationship, and it can be very codependent at times. But codependency, me being in a codependent relationship never has to do with the other person. It has to do with me. And so I can't tell Pam, you're being codependent and you need to stop being codependent. 
because it's not my job to tell her to stop being codependent. It's my job to be who I am and to set healthy boundaries. And then when they cross those healthy boundaries, there has to be consequences. That doesn't mean that, that I can punish Pam. That's not it. But there are consequences. You know what I'm saying? And so you always have to give the consequences along with the boundaries. And so if Pam, I'm trying to think of a ridiculous example that we have a a thing. I can't tell Pam how to park. One of the boundaries that we've set, (laughs) I can't tell Pam how to park. I'm not supposed to tell Pam how to park. And she's not supposed to tell me where to park. So I can't say, oh, you park crooked. And she can't say, why didn't you park over there? It's goofy, right? But those are boundaries. So what is the boundary for that? There has to be consequences for that. There, anytime you set a fence, there has to be something that's going to happen when the fence is crossed. I mean, I can't say, okay, if you do this, I get to punch you in the arm or something stupid like that, you know. But this is the thing. There are consequences. So if Pam, if I tell Pam, you're crooked, and see, our consequences are different than other people's would be. If I tell her how to park, that gives her permission to tell me where to park. And I don't want her telling me where to park. So that's my choice, right? Now, if we come down to it and it's like, well, I don't care. She could tell me where, where to park. I want to be able to tell her how to. Then we have to renegotiate, right? We have to set new boundaries. If the boundary doesn't work, we have to set new boundaries. There always has to be something. But one thing we can't have is just always fighting about something and it never getting resolved. We can't always have crossing boundaries and there nothing being done about it. We can't do that. But the thing of the boundary being you just have to deal with it, it can't be you just have to deal with it. Because Pam still, it goes back to the choice of Pam being able to calmly, and if we know who we are, And we're living in the moment for Pam. If I say, Pam, you're crooked for her to be able to say calmly. I'm driving and I park that way. That's my choice. And in her saying that. I mean, I guess she could even say, if you don't like it, here are the keys. I'll be in the store when you're done. I mean, that would be a little sarcastic. We don't. I mean, she 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 wouldn't do that either. She she would say, just deal with it. We can't always, we can't live our lives setting boundaries and then being crossed. Because in the end, if Pam's boundary is, you can't tell me how to park, this is the ultimate, the end thing. Pam has to decide, or I'll turn it around and I'll say it's me. Say I don't want Pam telling me where to park. Then I have to decide, well, can I live with her telling me where to park? And get just go on with my life? Am I strong enough in my identity to let her do that? In some cases, yes, I, I am. And it's just like, okay, you can I don't I don't care. Tell me where to park, whatever. I'm still gonna do what I, I want to do and I'm gonna go on with life. But if I can't go on with life, then this is it. You set the boundary, and if they cross it, it's not their it's not her thing to stop. Then I have to say, if you insist on crossing my boundary, 
then you are telling me that you don't respect me. And if you don't respect me and you can't stop doing this, I no longer can be in a relationship with you. And I have to be willing to do that. If I can't get beyond that, and there are things, Pam and I are in a relationship. If we drew boundaries and we said, it's my way or the highway, we wouldn't be together. We have to make contact. We have to, we have to cooperate. But in the end, I mean, this is real. In the end, you have to ask. And Pam uses this a better, a, a better example of this. If you ever ask her and talk about relationships, if this is as good as it gets, are you okay with that? If it stays right like this for the rest of your life, can you be happy, follow God, and live to your fullest potential in life? If you can, then that's great. When we face these situations, these are the most difficult things. Quitting drugs, quitting meth was nothing compared to building a healthy relationship with Pam. So much, there are so many things that were so much easier than trying to work on relationships. We build walls growing up with these bricks to protect ourselves. Emotionally, like who we are emotionally and how we handle our thoughts and feelings and all that, we reach a point in our life when we've been hurt and we put this little thing here to keep us from getting hurt. There comes a point where that becomes a prison. As soon as we hit that point, wherever that point may be, and it's different for each person, our maturity level, our emotional maturity level stops right there. You stop growing. Physically, we're going to keep aging day by day. We might even be super responsible as far as work and all that kind of stuff goes. We might be super responsible and conscientious and, and taking care of all the kinds of stuff. But emotionally, we stop growing. And so what ends up happening is, is we end up having fewer and fewer and fewer relationships because healthy people will run away from us and we'll wall ourselves off from unhealthy people. And so we end up alone. It takes two people to have an unhealthy relationship. One person can't have an unhealthy relationship. If a healthy person enters a relationship with an unhealthy person, 99 and 9 tenths of the time, if they stay, they'll become unhealthy. It's generally not the other way around. Pam's like, I'm out of here then. <laughs> healthy people will leave, and the unhealthy people that come in the beginning, unfortunately, are the people a lot of times that we let in, and it just makes it worse, but then we begin to grow, and it's like, well, I'm not, letting, I'm not doing that again. Thanks for listening. Please comment and subscribe for upcoming podcasts. To order your copy of My Real Life, go to the Take Action page at our website, reallifeministries-stl.com or go to Real Life Ministries STL on Facebook.